0: The body and our relationship to it is very timely, this meditation. We're in the time of the COVID-19 pandemic, and mortality and the threat of illness to the body is on everybody's mind. So in some ways, that's why I'm staying with this topic of the body We explored it in a few different ways up to now, and I talked about dividing the body into uh, its uh, 32 parts. But that is more or less for disentangling one from excess concern, vanity, and over-concern with the the beauty and etc. of the body. The the next part is to uh, give you some uh, detachment from the body. Now, the problem with the 32 parts of the body meditation, and this is rarely taught in the West, usually 32 parts of the body is not taught because the Western culture has a very big problem with body, the body. So either people are uh, nauseated by the the idea or they already have issues with their body. They have all kinds of concerns and complexes around uh, their body and it causes them all kinds of secondary strange uh, habit patterns, all kinds of conditions of attempting to... uh, Beautify their body and uh, being uh, distorted images of their body, and so the, the the West is a mess when it comes to relating to the body. The thirty-two parts of the body uh, meditation is quite popular in uh, in Asia, and uh, I've had many I've had requests from the the Thai ladies to to teach it. They often say it's their favorite <laughs> favorite topic. So it's very interesting to me to find out sort of cultural differences between how how certain cultures are not only preoccupied with the body, but more or less sabotaged by by their relationship to their body. In a way, the thirty-two parts, taking your body apart and looking at the all of the organs and so forth uh, in your mind, in, in imagination, or uh, with assistance from pictures and so forth, is, uh, is obviously fairly strong medicine. We have a natural uh, fear around these things. <clears throat> so I would like to offer uh, another way of having some neutrality and ease around your body, and that is the four-element uh, meditation of the body. So this is another uh, type of meditation that the Buddha gave out, Under mindfulness of the body. And so the four elements were known throughout the ancient world, and of course, the very basics. Uh, So, earth, water, fire, air are the four elements. And you'll find this through in Greek uh, uh, philosophy uh, and uh, Indian philosophy and Chinese philosophy as well. Now, this is, should not be thought of as just simply unsophisticated science. It's not. It's not that uh, you you cannot actually detect uh, iron atoms or a, any kind of molecular level. The the kind of uh, chemistry tables that we are familiar with with modern science are are simply not your direct experience of reality. Your direct experience of reality is the earth. The the water, the fire, the air that you always are experiencing. And we should, uh, in in a little bit more scientific type of terms, earth is is that which uh, has resistance, any solidity to it. Uh, the water is any kind of fluidity, and it's also cohesion. So. One of the characteristics of fluids is that it, it uh, easily comes back together, so it's cohesive. And the fire is simply heat. And of course, this is also in, in all degrees of heat. So it doesn't have to be fire, but it's simply heat. So they would refer, refer to your digestive uh, capacity, the heat coming out of your body, as the fire element so this is uh, what they were talking about. These are the basics of the universe. How a human experiences universe. There's solidity, and there's fluidity, and then there's this heat element, and then finally the air element. An air element is more or less uh, vibration. It's also thought of as vibration. So uh, you, uh, you see things. F- the leaves flickering in the wind and so forth. And this is this often thought of as this vibration. In. And all of these things are, are what you, without any sophistication, without any intellectual knowledge, without any microscopic analysis, this is how a human experiences the world. And this is, in uh, more or less uh, sort of traditional English poetry, that would be uh, experiencing the elements. So they would have talked about, the bracing effect of going out in the, into the elements. And this is the feeling of the wind on your face, the sun on your skin, the cold, the, the, the warmth of a fire, etc. This, this is all the feeling of the earth under your feet if you walk barefoot on the beach or through the soil. The feeling of this is uh, essential. It is how we evolved. Uh, it's it's right it 's genetic with us so we can return ourselves to the earth the the fluid the 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 air and the fire we can return ourselves to this because what we can see is that uh quite obviously that 's what we 're made out of every time you drink a glass of water you have direct evidence of what you're made out of it's the one drink that is absolutely universal and it's always you're able to sustain yourself with it so water and of course the water is leaving our body all the time as well so it's we see the water coming in and the water flowing out it's very easy there's not much analysis required the earth element is uh, Ingested through food. So another strange miracle is that when we take a seed, put it in the soil, a cabbage appears, a potato appears. These uh, the soil turns into these vegetables, and then we we can directly eat eat it. So we're partaking of the earth. So and then we become the earth. The earth element in the body is this whatever is solid. So the bones. The solidity to the body is the earth element. And, of course, in the body is also the fluid element. You, there's lots of fluidity in uh, the, the blood itself, which is very similar to seawater, almost identical to seawater. If you just add a little red dye, you've got basically seawater. And, of course, you can, you can give people um, transfusions <clears throat> or maintenance uh, of just uh, saline solutions. And uh, so then we have the air element. And of course, the air element is incredibly important as a meditation. And we talked about this as a, one of the uh, body meditations that is the breath. So that's the most continuous. All we have to do is miss a few breaths and we feel this alarm. And so this, we are the air. And uh, sometimes, of course, right into the language right into the poetry. Sometimes we feel light and breezy. And we know what that means, to be airy, light and airy, to feel the burdens uh, up off your shoulders, the heaviness. And this is the, the, the whole body is, becomes light and like air. The fire element is the warmth of the body, Uh, and we experience it as that, and we of course, just from a physics point of view, as soon as we're in a situation where the uh, environment around us is lower temperature than our body, the surface of our body, then the, the heat leaves the body and goes to that. And when we're in an environment where the environment around us is warmer than the surface of the body, it enters our body, now, we feel that intuitively. If you sit near a large uh, boulder, you're out hiking, you sit near a large boulder which is cold, you will feel as if the boulder is, is cooling you. Actually, it's not happening that way. Uh, you, the heat is leaving your body and going to the boulder. If the boulder is hot, if it's been out in the sun, and you sit there, you're cool, you will feel the heat from the boulder coming to your body. You are actually transparent to heat. You you don't exist in terms of heat. Nothing really exists. Everything is just moving from warm to cool. It goes from warm to cool. And so you are transparent to the environment. You are not other than the environment. And this is something to, it's a very beautiful meditation. Now, this is also in the commentaries, this is said to be for the intelligent. So different uh, meditations are for different temperaments. Um, There's all kinds of uh, meditations for everybody. And the basic kind of temperament structure is on the negative side, greed, hatred, delusion. On the positive side, the generous, kindly, lucid, and then you start mixing and uh, having some subtleties involved and you get a nice spectrum of types of personalities. You've all met people who are greedy. You've all met people who are angry. You've all met people who are deluded. You've also met people who are generous, uh, kind, patient, lucid, intelligent. All of this spectrum... And there are kind of remedies and meditations for each of those uh, tendencies. Usually we're a mix. Uh, The fact that a person's angry does not mean that they're not greedy, (laughs) unfortunately. And the fact that a person's greedy doesn't mean that they're not angry as well. And if they're greedy and angry, then they must have an element of delusion to them as well. So all three are present, uh, and... Even with a person who is generous and so forth, they may have a, a, some degree of irritability or anger, etc. So there's all kinds of mixes of this. This meditation on the elements is for uh, is, a, is one for one, one who's lucid, intelligent. This is more like a scientific investigation. Apparently, this was Ajahn Chah's favorite uh, meditation topic the four elements. Yeah. It's quite marvelous. It returns you to nature. Uh, if you're a nature fanatic, you love nature, this meditation on the four elements, the body as four elements, may be a good subject for you. You can also use any of the four elements as you will see that you respond to the the primary elements. You can use this as a samadhi um, topic, as well as an investigation topic. So you can use this as a way to dispel the sense of self and ego in the body, or the sense of ownership within the body, your relationship to your body, you can dispel that and return the body to its rightful owner, nature, biology, that's who made the body. That's who runs it, just the principles, which we are familiar with, biology. They're the biological principles. This is how the body develops and grows, and this is what controls it and runs it and owns it. And it, it's delusory to think that there's somebody in there called me that made this thing, that owns this thing, that runs this thing, that controls this thing, and that's the buddha is at great pains to explain that it is not the case you cannot command it you don't control it it's not yours and so that's the that process is what is meant by anatta non-self means non-control there is no controller no owner of the body quite often this Term anatta is, is made to be very complex, difficult to understand, but just basically you can understand that you're not the owner controller, sta- there is no stable element to the body, and that despite your wishes, and of course these days nobody wants to get the flu, <laughs> no one wants the coronavirus, and yet uh, it's quite out of our control. You see, the entire world is struggling with its lack. It's misperception about control. There's all kinds of frustration, irritability, anger. It appears you'd almost say that everything's out of control, wouldn't you? The economy's out of control, the illness is out of control, and of course you can't socialize, you can't go where you want, and everything's out of control. This is the evidence that there is no controller, no central controller in the personality. And so, if that's news to you, you're, you, you are condemned to a life of frustration and confusion. But if it's not news to you, then you're, you're not condemned to that. You can be light and free in the midst of these things. These are the realities. That's kind of the insight side of things. I'd like to switch over to the, uh, the samadhi side. Samadhi is, this, uh, is what I would call beautiful serenity, lucidity, and clarity. Some of the best states that a human can have, some of the best emotional states that a human can have are these samadhi. Uh, it's often translated in English as concentration, very bad translation. I don't know what to translate it as, but uh, serene lucidity something like that, serene and lucid. Uh, We'll get the poets to work on the right translation. So, how many of you have sat before the fire, stared at the fire? And as time goes by, you lose time just staring at the fire. So that's the fire element, and that's the human relationship to the fire element it 's the heat, but it 's also the the beauty the flickering nature of it. Uh, there are whole cultures where somebody in the household has the duty to uh, to maintain the fire twenty four hours a day the fire, the fire, the fire, even at this monastery, we have a fire keeper <laughs> uh, it's yes in canada you 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 really have a good sense of how uh, people come to worship fire. (laughs) This is a cold, snowy, long winter. The fire is where we're capturing the sun and making it our own here. And then, of course, there are uh, the sun worshippers that go to the beach and lie in the sun and so forth. So the sun is a type of fire, direct fire, and then the fire, the small fire, is beautiful and entrancing So you can use these elements as samadhi practices. And uh, so then the water, of course, the water being by a uh, river or a pond or the ocean. There's water as stillness and there's water as flowing. So there's something entrancing about a waterfall, a river, the waves on the ocean... And you should uh, maybe explore within yourself uh, which one of these elements is your element. And maybe all four of them are, or three of them, or two of them, or one of them are particular. Whatever helps you. Then there's the air element, and there's two forms of that. One is the, your breath is, is one of the forms of the air element meditation. Breath meditation is actually air element meditation. It's just portable. You can't always have the wind blowing on you. But when you go outside, and then, and today, particularly here, this is uh, May, so the air is uh, warming up and there's a little breeze and it's scented with pine trees and the smells of spring. So it's quite entrancing to go outside and just be in the air to feel it against your skin you can get the same effects actually from uh, being in the breeze as you can get from watching the breath enter the body this samadhi that comes from the breath meditation also can come uh, easily from the wind and air uh, so then the earth meditation is... Uh, some people are... They just find it entrancing to go into the mountains, to the, into the bottom of valleys, to be surrounded by massive earth. There's also just open farmland where it's just... You feel the, the, the vast nature of the, the land stretching out in front of you. And then walking in it, walking in... Uh, on the fields. So these are, you know, primary samadhi experiences and different types of personalities again respond to these elements in different ways. So for some, that, so that these are kind of commentarial things that they have some derivation from the suttas. So they talk about certain minds that are uh, quite intellectual and curious, if they're in a spot like on the top of a hill as a dwelling place, then they're constantly they're looking out at the horizon and so forth, and it may not be the best situation for them. They, they might be better off in a small sort of enclosed valley where their tendency to, for discursive activity, wandering and so forth, is, uh, is kind of contained. The wide open spaces may be better for uh, elements of kind of drowsiness, heaviness, and so forth. uh, To be in the open air and have the breeze blow across your face and so forth may be very invigorating and restorative. So it's one way, and also the water element. Of course, if you're drowsy in your meditations, the Buddha himself says, go and splash water on your face. So we can, uh, different people flourish in different environments. And so start taking note of what it is that assists you in terms of uh, of uh, the elements, the places uh, that uh, assist your ability to enter into s- deep serenity and samadhi. By the way, of course, I'm going to repeat this many, many times, and I have in the past many, many times, that the relationship between this samadhi and uh, what's called vipassana, samatha vipassana are not two different things. They actually have a hyphen between them, and they, they're... Functioning together, we talked in an earlier uh, in the introduction about this sentry that's overlooking a gate in a walled city, and that sentry is instructed to not permit certain uh, elements into the city that which would be destructive or uh, distorted but There are two that are to be welcomed in, two messengers which work for the king at the center of the city, and they arrive. And that sentry is instructed to welcome them. What are those two? Samatha Vipassana. Those are the two messengers. Notice not one messenger, two. Samatha Vipassana arrives. Those two arrive. With accurate reports and accounts of the kingdom. So outside the walls, outside of your body, is the kingdom. Of sights, sounds, smells, tastes, touches. And also ideas, uh, various messages. Uh, By the way, so we're in the midst of this pandemic and there's all kinds of bad information, misinformation, disinformation, and lack of information. And then there's good information, accurate information, and you're trying to sort this out all the time. And that's your, that thing that's trying to sort this out, find out what the accurate sense of reality about the nature of the world is. This uh, this informed sentry. Uh, <clears throat> so when you receive this information, accurate information about the world is its serenity accompanied by insight. Now, what is this vipassana, this insight? It shouldn't be made into much complexity. It's just clear seeing, to see clearly. Serene, serenity and clarity are not enemies. It's required. And quite often you can't see clearly because you are in a state of agitation. That's why you can't see things clearly. So before you see things clearly, you have to take some cloth and wipe off the lenses, don't you? And and focus the telescope or the binoculars. Serenity is is the bringing into focus of the binoculars. And then you can see. So if your mind is not lucid, still, clear, you can't see. And when it is, you see things that you don't normally see. In fact, your mind is in a supernormal condition. Supernormal condition. And so you are working at both of these things all the time. You're, trying to, you're listening to talks like this, and you're reflecting on the, on the body, the nature of the body, the elements, the elements inside, the elements outside, how you are uh, a biological aspect of the earth, etc., you're, you're hearing this kind of talk, but is it going in? Is it penetrating? Is it arriving at the consciousness? Is it arriving at the center of the city? Is it, is it informing the king rightly about reality? Or are these just ideas? <clears throat> Until they have... Uh, ch- uh, until they transform you, they're, they're simply ideas. So that's not good enough. It's like a cookbook. It's, it's, it's great, beautiful recipes, but the food is not there. It's like going into a restaurant, just reading menus. <coughs> and people do that. They read Buddhism, and uh, they say to their friend who just went to the 10-day retreat like i don't i don't get it well, you were saying it was just marvelous and i read the menu i didn't take all i tasted was cardboard <laughs> so the menu tastes like cardboard the ideas are not the thing it's the ingestion of the ideas the actual transformation of the ideas the the transformation of being so you will feel differently once you internalize these truths then the internalization is how do you How do you know you've been changed? because you feel different if you don't feel different you're not changed and by the way always uh, always err on the side of of uh caution in terms of transformation Don't be too eager to be enlightened you know uh, just think i'm sure there's more to it than this I'm sure it could be better the Buddha is. Advertising this as great stuff. How I feel now, not good enough. The, it, it has to be better. It was said to be something you couldn't ask for anything more. So keep asking and asking and asking until you can't ask for anything more. So don't settle for um, anything less. Always uh, presume that there's more. Uh, and what is it? This more is like a lightness of being, an ease. The, the heart itself is light. The mind, the head, is clear. So we have this cool head, warm heart. Cool head, warm heart. Both very important. The Buddha is full of warmth, compassion, loving kindness. He's also extremely lucid and cool and at ease in all of the ups and downs, the inevitable facts of life. Illness, aging, death loss, all of these things are always happening, and they're in your face right now. This is a very good time to be giving this retreat, because you can't avoid the fact of illness, aging, loss, death. All of these things are facts that you can't... Every time you turn around, you're being informed about this. How do you feel? If your meditation is going well, it's not a problem. Are you shut down? Are you calloused? Are you indifferent? No. No. You're warm-hearted. You share, you help, however you can. But you realize, quite often, there's nothing you can do. (laughs) We're often in a state where there's nothing you can do. But you can be well. That's it. So the the last uh, category of this body meditation is uh, after the death of the body... And sometimes we really need a pretty strong dose of reality, and that is that, uh, to investigate the body after death. And I'm going to show a little, my first book, uh, Cemetery Contemplations, Venerable Bhikkhu Sona, suitable black cover. And uh, it's, you can see it's very slender. It's only a few pages. It's mostly pictures of a corpse uh, going through the stages of decomposition. Now, this is described in the in the suttas <clears throat> and in the Mahasatipatthana Sutta. This, by the way, can be found on our website. Uh, you know, if you if you have. By the way, in order to contemplate a corpse, it's not a it's not a horror show. It's not something that should. Um, frighten you really and if you're frightened about this then you're not coming to it with the right uh, approach. You should really practice uh, samadhi uh, serenity practice first until you can uh, see this without fear and with some sense of peace uh, and you're trying to start to get to the sense of, of uh, Equanimity and peace with the reality of what happens to the body after death, and what it and it's clear what ha, it what, it's displayed what that it returns to to its four elements. Uh, it's not so uh, it's not so pleasant as the, the the spring breeze blowing across you or the watching the fire or any of these things. It's it's accompanied by a lot of uh, <clears throat> unpleasant um, types of elements, especially this, the smell. The human body, when it dies, uh, we, uh, of course, in uh, modern society, we in- send it directly to be preserved so that it doesn't smell. But that's a very modern thing, to, to, to fill it with this preservative... But the, the body in nature, is, it doesn't take very long before it begins to smell bad um, and then strangely contort and, and, uh, as it returns to, to nature. This is something that you can... You, you not, this is not for everybody. This is not for everybody. Um, it's something that is recommended for monks and not even all monks, but <clears throat> when you... These meditation... Uh, topics which are enumerated in the Maha Satipatthana so the Maha is like a big suitcase full of teachings that you can take to the to the woods with you uh, you need to be reflective with yourself, you need to you use your own wisdom to say now how is this am I ready for this, is this going to help me uh, what, what would be good? And of course, it's very good to have a teacher as well to reflect with you, to help you. You know, if you have, you're deeply depressed and very fearful and anxious and so forth, you know, corpse meditation is not what you should be doing at this time, <laughs> that time. But if you feel strong, if you feel serene, if you want to know the truth about things and you can go and observe this, then it's, it may be the time for you to, to see this. The experience of uh, corpse meditation, of course, right in the sutta it said, uh, you either go and look at it, watch a corpse over a period of time, go back to nature, or you do it in your, you imagine. You can do it in imagination or in, in reality. So uh, I was fortunate to be in uh, some of the Thai monasteries, forest monasteries, where actually corpses would, would come to the monastery, and we were able to do this and go into the forest and be with these with these corpses. And some some lay people actually donate their bodies to for this process, so that the monks can watch this process. It's going to be difficult in the West to find a good corpse. Uh, uh, you, you probably won't even be able to go into an autopsy. Uh, they're very weird in the West about the... Uh, nobody... Unless you're a medical practitioner and so forth, you, you can't really see a dead body, you know. So you're going to have to do this in your imagination or in with uh, assistance of pictures or videos or something like this. Again, this is uh, strong medicine and... Uh, it's uh, it's not just something you just plunge into, and and you have to contemplate whether you're it's appropriate for you at this time. Uh, this kind of thing, uh, people have trauma, you know, in wars and in uh, disasters and everything. They see dead bodies. Ordinary people suddenly are confronted with dead bodies, and uh, they they are traumatized by it sometimes. They shouldn't be. I, there's nothing, there's simply nothing. What is there to be traumatized by? It's, it's, it's about, you don't know? <laughs> you don't know this? So you have to ask also yourself, like, what is it that I'm trying to pretend doesn't happen? Death? Am I trying to pretend that doesn't happen? Am I trying to pretend that's the one certain thing that happens, and it's the death uh, what is the the nature of death is that that one thing we can know is the body definitely dies and definitely returns to the earth that 's something we can know what goes on with the mind is another thing altogether, but the body itself you you will see the facts of life these are good to rehearse this makes you a stronger, more sane uh, Appropriate person, and you need to have this with you, this truth. You need to investigate that truth, to become one with that truth, and then you will have a lot less suffering in your life. So, this type of meditation is not to increase your, it's not to, it's not to to test you or anything. It's it actually make your life better, and your emotional structure of your life lighter and easier. Well, when you, the truth is the truth will set you free. The truth of the nature of the body will set you free. So, uh, um, in my next talks, I will go on to the other three categories of uh, mindfulness, the feelings, the mind, and what are called Dhamma categories.